Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As I have mentioned the last time I was with you, we are going through a series of teachings on the subject of learning to walk in the Spirit. And what we are discussing are keys or principles that help us or enable us to walk in the Spirit. This morning we will cover Lesson number three, entitled, Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Before we go into the actual lesson, I'm just going to reiterate some of the highlights that I have mentioned or taught um, two weeks ago, the first and the second week. The first lesson that we looked at was the key of mixing faith with the Word of God. Mixing faith with the Word. That means we receive the Rema Word of God and we act upon it. That's what mixing faith with the Word you hear means. You do what it says, you act on it. And we looked at the scriptural example how Peter, using this this key or this principle, was enabled to walk on the water by receiving the word of Jesus that he said to him, come. And he was able to do what is not possible to be done. That is why when we walk in the spirit, we are walking on a supernatural level that's above the natural realm. We also saw how the widow woman who went to Elisha, the prophet, and um, poured her heart out, told him her problem, how she was severely in debt. Her husband died, left her with a huge amount of debt. The creditors were knocking on the door, threatening to sell her two sons to recover the money that they had given to her. And she went to the uh, prophet, and the prophet said, What can I do for you? What do you have in the house? You see, the prophet refused to take responsibility for the situation, but put that responsibility on her. That is wisdom. You know, sometimes people come to us and they want us to solve their problem, exercise our faith, do the praying for them and everything else that is involved, and so they can get the victory. But the right way of discipling a person or mentoring them is to help them shoulder their responsibility and do their own praying and do their own believing. And so the widow said, well, I I don't have anything in the house, just a small jar of oil. 
So the Prophet gave her the instruction of going to the neighborhood and borrowing not a few vessels, many vessels, and to pour from that one jar into those many vessels. Of course, naturally, you cannot do that. But when we're speaking about walking in the Spirit, we are speaking about releasing a supernatural power that enables us to do what natural people cannot do. So, the result was, she mixed faith with the words that the prophet gave her. And, of course, the supernatural ability or the miraculous power of God flowed into her situation and the result was that she was delivered from her debt. You remember that? So you need to ask yourself if you're facing a crisis or a problem in your own life, in the life of your family, your kids, or whatever the situation may be, you're facing a financial crisis, you need to ask yourself, what is God's word to me now? What is he saying to me? I always ask people when they come to me with a problem, what is God saying to you? And to be honest with you, most times I get a disappointed. I'm disappointed because they cannot define what God is speaking or saying to them at that very moment. There's so many voices coming at us. So many opinions and influences that are coming at us every single day. And somehow we are unable to discern in the midst of those voices and influences what is the now word of the Lord, the rhema word of God saying to me. And unless you pinpoint or discern what God is saying to you, there is no way that you will have enough faith to apply that word because you don't know what he's saying. You are in a state of confusion. So the first thing you need to do is to discern and clarify God's word to you in the situation. Once you receive the word of God, faith comes with it, and you're enabled to put it into practice. And by putting it into practice, you will come out of whatever situation you're facing. God will give you the victory through his word. Amen? Amen. We've also discussed that the bridge between the natural realm and the spiritual realm is what? Yes, but I'm looking for another word. It's the word of God, because without the word, there is no faith. Yes, faith, but without the word, there is no faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, They are spirit and they are life. So the bridge between the natural realm and the spiritual realm is the word of God, no one else. The second time, the second lesson we studied was the key of adopting a spiritual attitude. The way we view life and the challenges of life determines the outcome we will have. Your attitude is like an elevator. It will either take you up or it will take you down. If we view life and the circumstances of life 
from a spiritual standpoint, then victory is assured every single time. But if we view them from a natural, physical standpoint, defeat is inevitable. The enemy will always defeat you in the realm of the natural. He is the king or the god of this world, this natural, physical world. He is the god of it. He rules the world. So if you are endeavoring to defeat him in that realm, you're mistaken. You're going to have to go into another realm. And there you will defeat him every time. You will have the upper hand. Now, in expounding on this particular key, we looked at the example of David and Goliath. You all know the story as well as the example of the 10 spies, or rather the 12 spies, who came back and 10 of them gave a negative report. Two very different outcomes. Remember that? David defeated Goliath because his attitude towards the giant was one of the spirit and faith and not one of the natural. The rest of the people, including the king, viewed Goliath from the natural standpoint. That is why they were filled with fear. If you walk by your five physical senses, you will always be filled with fear and dread and stress and unrest. There is nothing in this physical world that you look at or you hear that will encourage you. Turn on the television, on the news. You will never hear one positive report. Am I right? So we cannot just walk by what we see, feel, hear, taste, and smell. That is why God gave us his spirit to live within us, to inform us of things and assure us of things that our five physical senses cannot detect or discern. Amen? So the rest of the people, including the entire army, viewed Goliath from the five physical senses. They looked at the giant, they looked at his experience, they looked at his weapons, and they were filled with dread and fear, and that resulted in them hiding in the trenches. But David had another view. He adopted a spiritual attitude and call the Philistine an uncircumcised man, meaning that he is a man without God, without hope, without covenant. I am a covenant man, therefore I am coming against him in the name of the God whose I am and whom I serve. And he defeated him. The ten spies came back. Sure, the land is good. It's filled with wonderful fruit. And they they brought back... um, clusters of grapes it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes can you imagine the fruitful land that God was promising them and leading them into but they said you see there's always that but I know God said but instead of saying yes I see the situation it looks dreadful it looks terrible but God's promise God's word they considered the, the natural situation rather than considering and focusing on the promise of God. In other words, their attitude was one of the natural rather than a spiritual attitude. And the result was they influenced the entire army, the entire population. 
to live for 40 years going around in circles, never attaining, never achieving the goal, never entering or seeing the promised land. Dreadful, isn't it? And you know what? What what saddens me is that Caleb and Joshua were held back for 40 years. They could have entered 40 years earlier into the promised land. You see, when you are part of a group of people that you walk with, you may have the faith to go forward. You may be courageous enough to take the challenges and take the mountain, but those that walk with you will hold you back. That is why we need to choose the people we walk with. They will either pull you back or they will propel you forward. If you surround yourself with negative, unbelieving and doubtful people, you're not going to get anywhere. Amen? Right. Let's move on. Today we will look at another key who enables or the believer to walk in the Spirit. And I would like to name this key, as I mentioned, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit or honoring the Spirit. And we're going to read two verses of Scripture. One is from John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18, and the other is from John 16 and verse 13. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Then in John 16, verse 13, we read, However, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples a few hours before he went to the cross, letting them know that he's not going to leave them alone, he's not going to leave them as orphans, but he will send another just like him, and he called him the Spirit of Truth. However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So Jesus promised his disciples, and to us today, our, the disciples of the Lord, of every generation, that he will never leave us alone or as orphans, but he will send us another helper just like himself who would dwell with us and will be in us. Hallelujah. And that person is none other than the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit was sent to earth, if you recall, on the day of Pentecost. And he hasn't left. He's still here today. And he fills people with himself, the believers, those who are born of the Spirit, those who receive Christ as Savior and Lord. The world cannot receive the Spirit, only those who are born again. They can receive salvation, but not the Holy Spirit. Once they accept Christ as their personal Savior, the sins are forgiven. He comes and he lives within the believer. Now, the purpose of the Spirit is to empower. 
and to help the disciple to walk every single day in the Spirit. And he does that by indwelling those who receive Christ as their personal Savior. Jesus said he dwells with us by being in us. Not just with us, but in us. You cannot get any closer than that, can you? Amen? Amen. So fellowship, therefore, with the person of the Holy Spirit is not only necessary, but vitally important in being able to walk in the Spirit. Now, the word fellowship means companionship. It means relationship, communion between two individuals. In order to establish that kind of relationship, we need to, first of all, acknowledge his presence within us. That's where it starts from. Now, just because we can't see him or feel him, that doesn't mean he's not with us. Some folks, some believers, well, you ask them, how are you doing? What's your walk? Oh, they said, I feel so far away from God. And you think they have committed some grave sin. But upon questioning, then you'll find that they didn't sin. They just feel that way. And they base their faith on their feelings rather than what Jesus said. This is where most of us fall. Basing your faith on how you feel rather than what God's word has spoken or promised you. Jesus said he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Whether I feel like it or not, it's irrelevant. My feelings have nothing to do with the promise of God. If God promised and he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, I take him at his word. Amen. His word is not subject to how I feel. Amen. My feelings ought to be subject to the word of God. You may feel that he has abandoned you. But the truth of the matter is he has never left you. He's always been with you and in you. Amen? So stop basing your faith on your feelings because your feelings fluctuate. One day you get up in the morning and you feel horrible. The next day you get up and you feel better. Or you are happy. You know, your feelings change like the weather changes. But we need to base our faith on the promises of God because God's promises are a sure foundation. Amen? And so whether I see him or not or feel him, it doesn't mean he's not with me. To acknowledge someone means to do what? To honor him. To take notice of. To, another word is to recognize. Or express appreciation and gratitude. That's honor. That's acknowledgement. The Greek word for honor is the word timi. Timi means value. When you walk into the store and you say, how much is that? You are saying, what's the value of that? So to honor someone is to highly esteem and value him, recognize him. And we see that throughout the life of the early church, the Holy Spirit was always present and actively involved 
in the life and in the decision making of the church, both on an individual basis as well as the corporate life of the church. And we're going to look at some scriptural examples from the New Testament. The first one we're going to look at is Acts 5.3, where Peter confronts Ananias for lying to the Spirit. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And in the same chapter, in verse 9, Peter confronts Ananias' wife, Sapphira. How is it, he said, that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. We see here in both verses of Scripture, Peter is confronting Ananias and his wife and rebuking them for lying to the Holy Spirit in regards to the giving. Now, Peter didn't say, why did you lie to us? Why did you lie to me? Why did you lie to the elders of the church? Why did you lie to the whole church? Notice what he said. He said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? What is he doing? We see here, by saying this, he acknowledges not only the indwelling presence of the Spirit, but his lordship within the church. You see, Jesus is Lord over the church, but the Spirit is Lord in the church. And we need to understand that. He watches everything. He knows everything. You You may fool men with your giving or whatever, but you cannot fool the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I wonder, you know, I, I, why, why were they judged so severely? And today, I wonder today if it does the same thing, if, will there anybody be standing in the church? That's the one subject I don't want to get into. You see, so often our motives, not just in giving, but in serving the Lord, they're wrong. They're selfish. They're tainted with, with, with our own agendas and with our own selfishness. Because we are not aware or recognize the Spirit's presence in our lives. You know, when you are around someone whom you highly value and respect, you watch your step, you watch your words, you watch everything, you know, in case, you know, they, they see you doing something wrong. If, if, if the pastor phones and he says, I'm going to come and visit tonight, you make sure the ashtrays are removed if you're smoking, you spray around the house, you clean everything. But you know what? The Spirit is always there with you. Why isn't it that we treat him that way? It's because we forget that he's with us just because we can't see him and we can't feel him. Amen? Amen. Honestly, if we acknowledge his presence and, and live with the consciousness that he's always with us, our behavior and our walk and our words would be so different. And we need to cultivate that, that God consciousness, that God is within us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. 
the early church was so aware of his presence that they did nothing, absolutely nothing, without his approval or guidance. They relied heavily on his authority, his help, and his leadership. And you know, when I look at our lives and the church today, how different are we today? We have strayed from that relying confidence in his person. We are so self-sufficient, especially today with modern technology. We think we know all, and we hardly acknowledge the Spirit's presence, much less consult him. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about your decision. Talk to him about what you're going through. That's what it means to have companionship or to have communion. He's a person. It's not an eat. He's a person. And he longs to have fellowship with you and I, to have conversations with you and I about the things that you're troubled about, about the things that you're joyful about about your future. Jesus said, he will show you things to come. I don't believe he's talking about worldly events. Some of it maybe is. But he will show you things to come in your own life. What awaits you, your future. And I've had experience of that many times where God would show me things ahead of time through the Spirit. By the revelation of the Spirit, I saw my future. Why does God show you that? Why does the Spirit give you glimpses of what awaits you? So that you can be prepared. You see, knowing the Lord the way I have known Him all these years, He has never thrown me into a situation without warning. He has always prepared my heart and my mind and my attitude, and then he led me. He said, behold, I send my angel before your face who will do what? Prepare your way before you. So the spirit, if you will honor him and converse with him and fellowship with him on a daily basis, he's going to show you things to come in your own life, in your children's life, so that you can coach them and, 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 and rear them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and encourage them to follow the Lord's path rather than their own. Amen? So it's, it's so important. This fellowship with the Spirit is a major, major key in us walking in the Spirit from day to day. Let's look at the more scripture in order to establish the fact that the early disciples relied heavily on the Spirit's help. In Acts chapter 8, verse 27, we read, And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Who spoke and said to him? Didn't say there was another time where the scripture says, The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and sent him. 
But this time he says, the Spirit spoke to him. Go and join. Go, go to this chariot. Because there's a man there I want you to witness to him. And I want you to explain the gospel to him. Here we see another example in Acts chapter 10. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Wow. The Spirit said to Peter. He had a vision. He didn't know what it meant. But the Spirit helped him and told him what he should do and to go with these men, not to doubt, not to fear, because I have sent them to you. Wow. Here we see clearly both Philip and Peter were spoken to and directed by the Spirit himself in assisting them to minister to individuals who were seeking God. Cornelius was praying and fasting for three days. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, Go, send for Peter. You see that? God works and moves on people. You know, and, and, and where he sends you, if he's sending you, he's preparing the hearts of the people. Sometimes, though, I've noticed that God would send me somewhere and they would not receive me. And I question, I say, why did you send me there? So he said that they may not have an excuse afterwards. So that they cannot say, I didn't know, I didn't hear. And God will pull up his files and say, you see that, that, that video? There's my messenger, they're speaking to you about these things, and you rejected him. But you didn't reject him, you rejected me, who sent him to you. God will do that often. And I've experienced that several times. Now, in Acts chapter 15, we see here that the early church faced a major conflict over circumcision. It was a major debate and a major conflict and it threatened to divide the entire church, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. So they held the first synod. You know what a synod is? Where they call the apostles, the elders, the entire church together to discuss the problem. Some argued that the Gentile believers should be circumcised as well as keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And as a result of this conflict, the apostles and elders came together in Jerusalem to consider this matter. Now listen to what the outcome of the discussions were so that you can see clearly the major influence of the Holy Spirit in the church. The apostles and elders and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Now, this is the letter. This is the decision they have taken. And they send this decision in a letter to the Gentile believers. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Notice the words they use. 
For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. You see, the decision they have taken was in agreement with what pleased the Spirit of God, who was there with them. Can you say the same thing about the decisions that are made in churches today? We raise funds, we put up buildings, and sometimes we're not even consulting the will of the Spirit because the leader or the pastor wants to build his own name or his own ministry. So much of that is being done today, merchandising the Word, selling the Word for profit, and the Spirit is very displeased. But here we see, he said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to make this decision. So they made decisions by honoring, by consulting the Spirit in order to guide them, to help them in their decisions where the welfare of the church was concerned. In Acts chapter 16, and verse 6 through 8, we read the following. Now when they had come through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Isn't this interesting? Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But here we see the Spirit forbade them to go into the region of Asia. So... After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Here we see once again, the Spirit actively involved in doing what? Guiding them and directing them as to where to go and where not to go in their endeavors to preach the gospel. So we need to recognize that you're not alone. You have the Spirit within you. You're not alone to fend for yourself in this world, in this hostile world. You have a friend. You have a companion. You have a helper. You have a comforter. You have the Spirit of truth within you. You don't need anything else. He's all in all to guide you, to lead you, to protect you. All you need to do is to honor Him and be sensitive to His leading and direction in your life. Then you will be able to walk in the Spirit every single day of your life. Amen? You'll never have a blue Monday if you follow the Spirit. We are not left alone to deal with the problems, with the challenges of life. But we have been given this wonderful helper who is able, who is all-wise, all-powerful to assist and empower us to walk as Jesus walked. Now, Jesus said something very profound about the Spirit. He said, you know him. That's powerful. He said to the disciples, you know him. Now, if Jesus said, I know him, I'm going to believe what Jesus said. What does that mean? That means his voice is familiar. It's not stranger. 
His leading, His touch in your life, His impressions should not be unfamiliar and unrecognizable. Amen? Because you know Him. Now, if I'm thousands of miles away from my wife and the phone rings and I answer and it's her voice on the other side, you bet your life I recognize her voice. Why? Because I know her. Amen? Or any one of my friends. How do you know? Because you have fellowship with them. Because you associate with them. Because you walk with them. So this is how it should be with the Spirit. Jesus said, you know Him. Therefore, the Spirit should not be a stranger or unfamiliar to us, but rather someone we know and are acquainted with. Is that that the case with you? If not, then you're not having fellowship with the Spirit. You know, the, the, the most enjoyable time of my day is the morning watch. And sometimes I I don't pray much. I just sit and wait on the Spirit, fellowship with Him and worship Him. Then He would start taking me into areas that I need to go that very day, spiritually speaking. He would lead me into the portions of Scripture I need to study and feed myself. And then He would lead me into into the subjects that He would have me to teach and expound on it. And I can spend three, four, five hours just having a wonderful time with the Spirit. But you may say to me, well, I don't have the time, Pastor. I have work to do. I need to be at work at 7.30. Well, get up at 5. And go to bed at 9 instead of 11.30. Don't look at me like that. Because I know some of you are spending hours and hours watching television at night and then you're too lazy to get up the next morning. Now, if you want fellowship with the Spirit and if you want to come to a place where you know Him, you need to spend time with Him. Amen? Amen. Time is the most valuable commodity that you can give to God. And it is time that modern disciples don't have today. Because of the pressures, the responsibilities, the spirit of this age. We are on a treadmill. Running from one place to the next, from one meeting to the next, from one person to the next, from one crisis to the next. All this could be averted If you will invest time to fellowship with the Spirit, He will make up that time. And it's always been my life's walk. I do not recall ever a time, even when I was in business, that I would get up, get dressed and go to work without spending time and fellowshipping with God, with His Spirit, with the Word. That's why most believers are frustrated today. They are anxious. They are full of fear. They're full of doubt. They are spiritually and mentally exhausted. They don't have the strength to combat the challenges, to overcome what comes against them. The reason being is they do not wait on the Lord. Isaiah says, those that wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. 
Well, if their strength is not renewed, you're not going to be able to survive. And many of them have fallen by the wayside. Many pastors and leaders have backslidden, burned out. You hear that phrase, burned out. Simply because they don't follow this principle that I'm teaching you today. Amen? The Spirit's touch brings comfort. His presence brings peace and rest. And the more we rely on Him, the more He's able to help us. The more we honor Him by making room for Him, the more He's able to guide and lead us into all truth. And I thank God for the Spirit's ministry in my life. I don't know what I would have done without Him. So examine your walk with God today. Ask yourself, how much honor am I giving the Spirit? How much room am I making for Him to speak and to guide me in the affairs of life? I can give you example after example from my own walk with the Lord. Where the Holy Spirit came to my rescue. Not only to comfort me, but also to teach and guide me in all of the affairs of life. I recall one vivid example. Uh, We lived, my wife and I and my family lived in a little town called Fort Victoria then. In Rhodesia, Zimbabwe. There was only one, two churches that were born again, spirit-filled churches. My pastor was a young man. He didn't know much. I knew I knew just about him as much as he knew. So he taught us everything that he knew. And so here I am in this town, no Bible school, no Bible college. The pastor is as young as I am, I think maybe a year younger. I know as much as he knows, but I need to grow. I know that I have a call on my life, and unless I am thoroughly equipped in the Word, I will never be able to step into God's call. So one day, my pastor came to a conference in Johannesburg and he brought back with him a brochure of a a certain evangelist teacher of the gospel. And as I picked up this brochure, he gave me this brochure. And as I looked at this brochure and the photo of of that popular evangelist was on, the Spirit spoke. And he said to me, Join this ministry, join this chariot, and learn from him. There was only one Christian bookstore in the, in the whole town, so I took that brochure to the Christian bookstore. They didn't have his materials. But this, this, this uh, pastor, he was a missionary from the United States, and he had connections and means, and he could get me anything I wanted. So I went with this brochure. I almost ticked everything on the brochure. Uh, Teaching on prayer, teaching on righteousness, teaching on the Holy Spirit, teaching on faith, and teaching on fasting. And I said, can you get me this teaching? He said, sure. In a few weeks, whole box came. (laughs) Wow, that was manna from heaven. Day after day, I would sit upstairs in my office and we had those, uh, what do you call them? Um, Walkmen. Walkman. And I would listen. T. 
teaching after teaching, teaching for hours on end. In a few months' time, my spirit within me, I've had this experience, I don't know how else to describe it, was like an airplane revving his engines and ready to go. And in a few months' time, I was ready to step into the call of God. Pastor laid hands on me after fasting and praying for three days, no water, no food. He laid hands and he said, go. And I've been going ever since. But how did that come about? What would have happened if the Spirit did not speak to lead me? Probably I would be st stuck still in Masvingo, Fort Victoria. Listen to me, my brothers, my sisters. This is not a joke. Don't take these things lightly. Your life depends on it. Your future depends on it. Your welfare depends on it. Your work depends on it. Whether you're going to succeed here or fail is how you honor the person of the Spirit within you. It is my prayer that you experience the true intimacy and fellowship of the Spirit and all that He brings to us as we learn to acknowledge and to honor His presence. Let's stand and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your unspeakable gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for sending him to us, for not leaving us as orphans or without help or without comfort. Thank you, blessed Holy Spirit, for your presence in our lives, for your leadership, for your guidance, for your wisdom, for your impartation. Forgive us for not giving you the preeminence, the honor, the acknowledgement, the value that we should have. Lord, forgive us for not desiring to even fellowship with you and talk to you and listen to you. Forgive us for ignoring you so often by not being conscious of your very presence in our lives. And help us today, I pray. Help each and every one of us who are here today listening to my voice that a life-altering decision we would make today, and that is to honor your presence. To honor and fellowship with you and value you and praise you and worship you and receive from you all that you have for us from day to day. We pray this for our churches as well, that leaders would learn to honor the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the decisions that are made would be pleasing to the Spirit, that He would have preeminence and be Lord within His house. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.